Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Monica and Wayne. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, Mav. Pretty good, Mav. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We were just talking offline about how tired we are. And it's just like, this is, I don't understand how this keeps happening because like, one of the perks of having an academic job is, you know, we get frequent breaks. Like, you know, I, like we had a, a winter break that I was off for a good couple of weeks. And now um, it wasn't that long ago. It was only been, I think, the first day of classes was like January 9th or 7th or something like that. I don't know, whatever the Monday was. Um, so that was only, um, you know, a, Two months ago, how am I exhausted? <laughs> how am I so tired? I, I, this time of year, I blame it on your seasonal affective stuff, but it's been sixty okay. degrees in Pittsburgh for the last three days, so you know, yeah, I don't but, know well, that counts. That's true. Yeah, the last three days it's been warm here, but before that, we had two weeks of highs of twenty, if not single digit yeah. temperatures. For yeah. you know, we were that had gone on for a couple of weeks there, so it was really bad for a while. Yeah. But I'm still just exhausted. A lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of sleeping. So uh, I'm absolutely coming to the uh, realization that it was like, oh, it'll be so great. I'm only required to be places sometime then i've come to realize that that means your work is taking up all of those places where you're not required to be somewhere right really was the double-edged sword of being like you get to work in in bed isn't that nice and you're like i don't remember what my bed is like without work in it that would be nicer yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's the the trick of work from home is you know i mean it means you're always working. It's, oh, you don't have to commute. And like, that's great. Except, oh, wait, what am I? You know, so, the, so there, there are days where it's the fact that I actually, I had a student ask me recently. She was like, oh, you were you up at 2 a.m.? And I was like, I guess. Why? How, how do you know that? She's like, oh, you were just, I, I saw that's when grades were posted. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was just still grading at 2 a.m. And it's when I finished them. So, so things like that happen. And it's just, like, oh, nine to five. That would be neat. So I prefer not to calculate my hourly rate because that would make me feel bad. <laughs> be like, oh, I, how many hours did I work this week? You know, 120. That can't be right. You know, so <laughs> things like that happen. <laughs> so maybe, Mav, this is a good segue into this week's topic because I was kind of thinking about the fact that I mentioned this, I think maybe two years ago, that I have been trying to read a lot more things that aren't academic textbooks because I feel like it really helps with my focus when I do have to sit down and read an academic textbook, and that I've mm-hmm. been trying really hard to read things that are not just textbooks that weren't assigned to me that I might find interesting but books mm-hmm. that are real books kind of like movies that are movie movies and then i mm-hmm. realized that all of the books that i've been picking up recently are just still also about school they're just about fictional <laughs> schools and so i don't know how much of a break i've really been taking guys oh okay so we should talk about what is the topic just so we can get because that because they're about fictional schools but are they really about schools or are they about something else whose topic is this is this wayne's actually or is it technically monica's or i suggested we do the episode but it was based on a whole lot of our text threads Mm -hmm. monica and i talking about books and so loosely speaking there's a term that i stumbled across called dark academia and i first stumbled across it as a genre of books i've Come to discover in my thorough research of the last half hour on the internet, it refers to more of a, an aesthetic than specifically a genre of books. It, 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 it's a term being used to talk about lifestyle and way, mode of dress and way of being in the world. And I guess dark academics sort of the it's you know pretentious steampunk. I don't know. It's like professional goth. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. So, and they listed books I wouldn't thought of because in in my mind, and I don't know where I first stumbled across the term, my guess is there's like a book riot list of top 10 dark academia books you need to read. I'm like, oh, what's this? So I, but I don't know for sure. But in my mind, the term implies some level of magic or horror or fantasy or that sort of thing. Harry Potter as the prime example of this is set in a school and there's magic. Apparently that's not absolutely true based on other stuff I've been reading in terms of what that term is being assigned by. But it's not how I, I would have viewed what, it either. So, so I, I mean, yes. I would not have viewed it as, as magic. So I'm curious as to say what, what defines it to you. Cause that's not how I would have phrased it, even yes. though. For me, it's murder. 
right? For me, it's death. <laughs> when I think dark academia, I think spooky death, murder, decay mm-hmm. happening at school. That's uh, yeah. For yeah. me, it's uh, for me, it's murder or attempted murder. So that's why I was like, yeah, I, think I think just think- the I think just the first things I was exposed to all had that element of mm-hmm. the magic to it. You know, let's say Harry Potter, the magicians, some other stuff that we're going to be talking about. So, so that's just where I that was my entry point for it. So that informed mm-hmm. the way I thought of that term. But I'm definitely seeing different stuff i the overlap with a lot of you maverick you and i've talked a lot on this show and i know we've done full episodes on coming of age, of age. Episodes and, and why mm-hmm. we are why we and other people you know of advanced age are still fascinated with stories of teenagers you know stuff set in schools the coming of age thing and i i made a joke in our our thread about dark academia kind of being dark coming of age stories like they're, they're coming mm-hmm. of age stories but boy a lot of these characters are not going to come of age by the end of the book yes because so this is why i mean here's the i guess we're getting into it about the definition of stuff i in my head up until i started thinking about it specifically for the episode like you said when you proposed it i'm like okay right so, so i was going like like Harry Potter, like the magicians. And then I went like Hunger Games. And then I realized Hunger Games doesn't actually have a school in it. Not really. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't Sequel actually size. have any. Yeah. But, it, well, but the, but uh, I was thinking Hunger Games classic. It's not about school. It's not about, it's, I mean, it's about coming of age, but it's not magic. It's mostly just the murder. So it's, it's murdery YA fiction is what, where I was thinking with like Hunger Games and your maze runners and all that stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, it's not I'm not sure it really fits if I really think about it, but it was yeah. in the aesthetic. And so that's why I was like, I was inclined to mix it in. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Hunger Games really fits there or maybe it does. I'm not sure. I yeah. don't think it does. I think a thing about dark academia that is really important is the presence of the institution. And yeah, I, I think, think so, too. This yeah. is very specifically, we're not talking about, for the most part, some version of a public school. This is a board school this is a university yeah this is something where we are really talking about de-institutionalizing the institution or demystifying the idea Mm -hmm. academia and the institution and that it is a a literal death of people who choose to attend these things but i do think that it functions as a larger critique of the death Mm -hmm. of the academic institution Mm -hmm. self in the modern era and because a lot of these books are about the fact that these things wouldn't have happened had you not been at right. boarding school yeah. without the presence of like lots of parents for example i i think mm-hmm. really good examples of dark academia for me are something like uh donna tart's secret history or frankly i yeah. would even extend it to include something the historian i think that magicians and harry potter fit really well because there is a lot of murder mm-hmm. <laughs> uh something like and i recommended this in our things you might have missed episode which was Babel, right and i think mm-hmm. Babel is perhaps the best example of yeah. this we're going to dismantle the I- colonialist idea of the academic institution but i think something mm-hmm. like donna tart's secret history which is specifically about the outdated critique of still studying the classics is also Mm -hmm. very much functioning in that same way Mm -hmm. saying like why are we continuing to study these same theorists or these same ideas and why do we perpetuate knowledge in this way um and so i think that it is really interesting because these are coming of age in terms of formations of how we become adults but it's something Mm -hmm. that's not just so much about we become adults via autonomy, but we become adults via the things that education teaches us to read and teaches us are important or that we, there's very much like the dismantling of the Hegelian notion of progress that is such a big part of the academic institution, right? And I think that is maybe the larger critique. It's that as we decide who we want to be as adults, what ideas are we being told are those that are worth value? And the fact that those things like the Hegelian notion of progress, which gets pushed until it becomes, frankly, fascism and Nazism, the idea that if you continue to push these notions, you might end up murdering a classmate. I think that might be my most distinct 
definition of what dark academia happens to be, which is a very interesting notion because frankly, as an undergrad, and we've talked about this in our in our group chat as well, and on last week's episode, I don't know that I was so much thinking about the philosophers that I'm being told to read to become an adult. I was thinking about, you know, sex and drugs and alcohol. That was (laughs) everyone's unofficial college minor, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think I absolutely think Babel is probably the best example of that. I just finished that. It had been on my list of books and you you mentioning on the things you missed episode prompted me to get it sooner than I would have otherwise. The author RF Klein and Babel is, is I mean it's very definitely dealing with British colonialism very specifically in the exploitation of of other cultures and other languages. Uh, there's an element of magic to Babel, uh, so it fits into that whole category as well. Um, but the other series that uh, I've read one book of by the same author, the the Poppy Wars, which I think you also mentioned on some show, Monica. I read the first book of it, and it's in a vaguely Asian fantasy setting. And you know, much like Harry Potter, you get a group of students who go to a war college, and they their first year, they're just learning basic stuff, and then they get sorted into different houses, much mm-hmm. like the sorting hat. Although there's not a magic sorting hat, it's a much more natural. Oh, this is what you're good at. From here on in, you will focus on this. Uh, and it just you know, it it starts out very much as a here's a group of students in school and there's the rivalries and here's your best friends. And here are the people, the first people you meet in life who are going to be your ride or die friends and you will know them forever. And then suddenly, Oh my God, everybody's dead. That book took an incredibly dark turn very quickly and went from, in my mind, it just went from say a very Harry Potter esque, not, not as lighthearted as, as Potter was from the beginning, but a very Harry Potter esque. Here's a group of students. Go with- Harry Potter was never lighthearted from the beginning. It starts with a lot of murder. So much murder. I mean, mean, so much of the imagery of Harry Potter has that kind of wacky fantasy element to it. From the outside, you just see the imagery and it doesn't feel that dark when you start. It certainly becomes that. And like you say, I think it's there from the beginning. But the initial imagery just doesn't feel that way to me, or at least it didn't at the time in my memory of it. But this just, boy, it just, it took a really dark turn really quickly. (laughs) I haven't read Babel, but I I do want to, I do still have some questions about parameters. So just, I'm going to give some genre, you know, we've talked about genre doesn't really exist on the show before, but just sort Mm -hmm. of some, some parameters to see if we can situate us a little better, because I am willing to agree that a Hunger Games doesn't count. Because I, I think I also agree, even though I was like leaning that way when I, before we started talking about the episode, I think that the institution of the university is important. I think Monica yeah. is correct. I shouldn't say the university, the institution of the school, because I very much think that sort of high school boarding schools are can be dark academic novels as well. There is a genre often called the academic novel or the campus novel. That is, it's about university life. It is often focusing on the professors more so than the students. But one of my favorites or a couple of my favorites are there's a book called Stoner, which I love. And it's not about it's about a guy named Stoner. It's not about drugs. There's another one which probably more of our listeners would be familiar with. Wonder Boys. Wonder Boys Mm -hmm. is definitively an academic novel. It is about a professor and his relationship with his students to move beyond books and talk about. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Yes. At Pitt or at a thinly veiled university that is based on a real life professor. But anyway, the so that is there. That is one way of looking at it. And then to move beyond, um, I, in, in looking, just, I'm going to jump in to, just to add to that for a second, Matt. Some of the stuff I was reading earlier today included things like Dead Poet Society. As a, exactly, like what I was going to say, yes. Yeah. If I want to do films, I would say the academic novel includes a Dead Poet Society or a Goodwill or Goodwill, yeah. Goodwill Hunting. Absolutely, and that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of where I think the academic story, the academic novel happens. There's a movie right now that's getting some buzz that I believe Wayne, I believe you not, you drafted in our box office game, Miller's girl, which is a story of a teacher 
and a student who fall in love with each other. And, you know, the and it's getting some controversy because people are like, oh, do we once again need to see a 50 year old man sleep with a 20 year old girl and blah, 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 blah. And I, it stars Jenna Ortega and Martin Freeman. And I'm very curious about it, even though I understand the criticism. But mm-hmm. I think of those as classic academic novels. Yeah. And then more films. Yeah. And then when in it comics, goes into. Yeah. Go in comics, I mean, one of the ones I mentioned to you in our thread was Deadly Class. Which, yes. You know, I well, that's exactly where. And that's the yeah, dark part. Like, yeah, like when it becomes about murder, store, that's when I think it's right. dark. Yeah. Because well, working at the store, I pushed Deadly Class as. You know, the elevator pitch for that had to have been this is just like Harry Potter, except it's a school for assassins instead of wizards. Right. And I think that counts as as dark academic because so dark academic for me is the academic novel, the academic story. And then but make it about death and murder explicitly and in a way that like in a way that Goodwill Hunting is not in a way that Dead Poet Society Mm -hmm. is not. So I don't think of them as dark because even though there might be serious moments in it, even Mm -hmm. even though there might even be death in one. Right. I don't see. Oh, I, I most I very recently saw a film that's getting some Oscar buzz this year. The Holdovers. Brilliant film. I think of that as an academic film, but not as a dark academic film. I think that it's the murder as primary genre is the thing that matters most. Because one of the things Mm -hmm. that I was also thinking about is something like Umbrella Academy is supposed Mm -hmm. to be taking the superhero rope and showing you the way that superpowers and absent fathers can make you kind of fucked up, right? Everything Mm -hmm. about that feels like it is supposed to, but it is not dark academia to me. It It is dark superhero to me. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that it is playing on is much more having to do with superheroes and superpowers. specifically Mm. about school and the institution i think it has to be the dismantling of the institution Mm. via murder and then the other thing that i think is really important hold on then so you're saying basically x-men nothing counts right so you're saying even though they live at a school it's so never about the school (laughs) i would not consider x-men and in any way dark academia Yeah, but fair enough. I think that the other thing that is really important is the fact that it is universities or boarding schools as places of privilege. And mm-hmm. the way that privilege or appropriation can bump up and become a problem. For example, mm. not this is a spoiler, but, you know, there's going to be spoilers while, while we talk through dark academia. But something like Secret History is a story where students hold a, a bacchanal, which, you know, is a, a Roman festivity because they're interested in what the actual fugue state would be like and then they Mm -hmm. end up fucking up a lot of stuff while in the fugue state because they essentially are appropriating a piece of historic culture without understanding what it's going to do to them and then having to deal with the consequences of that right Mm -hmm. and so that is very specifically and that is meant to be a bard style liberal arts college that would have a private tuition. Boarding school is supposed to have, you know, private tuition or even the idea of being able to be a boarder usually costs an additional fee versus mm-hmm. being a, a day student, right? And so I think that this idea of this being a privilege space and an appropriation space in which then people are challenged by their problematic behavior or have to undergo the consequences of their problematic behavior is a really important part that doesn't mm-hmm. exist in something like an expert. Right. Because mm-hmm. an X-Men is a school and they do murder people. But every time we are approached as these are stand-ins for minority characters. Right. These are not people coming from mm. a place of privilege. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that's a yeah. really important that part of it. Yeah. And that privilege is absolutely challenged. Yeah. Well, yes. in, in in Babel, I mean, the we have essentially the four main characters, three of whom are you know, not privileged white mm-hmm. British students that they are brought in and very specifically exploited for their language skills from their native worlds and the way they are treated, the way they are singled out and and then mixed in as part of the quartet is the the, the young woman who is privileged British you know, upper class society and her inability to grasp or see what the others are going through throughout the book you know, becomes, you know, a lot of the plot hinges on and the relationships hinge on, you know, they are friends, they love each other, and she is completely incapable of understanding who they are or their experience. So, yeah, that, I think that privilege being challenged by the circumstances of the the dark elements, murder or whatever, is, is certainly a part of it. Oh, for me, I, I think I just want to be careful a little bit with the idea that it can't be it can't be non-privileged people, because I think that the interesting stories 
in a lot of these, a lot of these books are books, movies, whatever, are deal with um, the fish hour out of water aspect of here's the character who's not privileged, who's suddenly dropped mm. into this world. Right. And I think that is I think the X-Men frequently has that. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sometimes the people are Roberto da Costa, who's one of the richest people on the planet. And he is Sunspot and he has to deal with his best friend being this hick from Kentucky. You know, that's the story, right? You know, so the, I think that can be an aspect. I also think that I'm not a huge fan of it, but of what I know of it, the anime and manga My Hero Academia, I think, very much fits this, even though it's very much a superhero story. I think it fits the dark academia thing. You know, genres weird, right? Because we've and we've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah. But in my head, in the, you know, the cumbersome bunches of check marks that need to be checked, that fits in a little better. Or and I, I agree also more so than than Umbrella Academy, which doesn't quite get there. Yeah. But I also I'm not willing to say no on Umbrella Academy, but I would it would not be the one that I would name. Yeah. Well I, I think with, with X-Men part of the problem is the you know, it's a school and it's a setting, but that book has so rarely been about the actual Right. School, the structure so of the school. My, I mean, there, yeah. you know, there, there have been moments where, you know, Wolverine and, and uh, whatever it was called at the time when he was the one of the core teachers at the school. The Jean Grey schools. Yeah, okay, there so were a few up, but in general, no. have to go to class, right? Does that become one of our conventions? Mm. Is- <laughs> I, I think they it needs have to be to important. Have homework assignments, like well, okay. Because so here's the thing. All right, we what about so we said X Men, but what about things like New Mutants or Generation X, which were I would say specifically were, yeah, they were more specifically set in the school. So I, I would for those specific they're titles, still on the would, line for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think they they come closer, but uh, because you know over the years all the X books have become so intermingled and generic right. in so many ways that the school right. always ends up being a background as opposed to right. focus to me. So to me, for it to be dark academia, the academia part has to really matter, right? The, that's what, it, that's what it is. Does it need to be the only thing? No, they can totally be superheroes as well. They can totally be magicians as mm-hmm. well, but I think you can tell an X-Men story if they're not, like if they're outcast characters who are not part of a school, then it's just yeah. Doom Patrol and that's fine, right? Like you can do the yeah. same thing, right? right you could right. or if they're or if they're just good friends who become family, then you have Titans. And I think that it can functionally yeah. be that. I don't yeah. think Harry Potter works without the school. I think it is a fundamentally different story. Mm-hmm. If Harry Potter, the existence of that world requires it to be focused very much on Hogwarts. Everything important mm-hmm. that happens in this universe ever happens in Hogwarts. So much so that I think one of the flaws of the prequel series, the the, the Fantastic Beast series, is this is, and people don't really think about it. There's other flaws too. But one of the flaws of that series is this is not about the school. The school mattered, you know, like you, mm-hmm. even the last book, which doesn't take place at the school, very much takes place as a it's a it's about these characters who are defined by the school having yeah. make it without the school. Right. That's that I think matters. The, the, um, the morning glories, the which I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Morning glories, which I mentioned is very much a dark academic. Uh, it's a series mm-hmm. of graphic novels of comics, but it's very much a dark academic story where that, you know, there's something sinister happening at this school and it is the sinisterness of the school makes it different than any of the other kids on bikes style stories that you know we that we love right like not stranger things it's yeah. not it it's not yeah. lumberjanes yeah. you know there are, there are lots of stories that are about young people not having adults to rely on and then having to uncover a mystery or whatever that don't feel the same as what happens when you put them in the setting of the confines of having to do it at a university or a boarding Mm. school. Yeah. Yeah. There is, I was a bit joking of the homework matters, but I think a lot of times the internal conflict is also coming from the fact that there are school itself comes with a set of stakes. Like there are exams and if you fail these exams, you don't get to keep going to the school. And right. so not only might you get fr- found out for murder and expelled, you also might 
get an F and get expelled. And within those books, there is the fact that your final exam and also that you committed murder that exists at the exact same stakes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which, quite honestly, is maybe why we gravitate to these books, because there is something about school that makes fact that you could fail a class and you could get kicked out feel like such a, a high state situation mm-hmm. that would affect mm-hmm. the rest of your life everything will be over right what could you possibly do with your life i don't know let's think about all the people who degrees they're fine but there, there is something about when you are inside that insular mm-hmm. environment that it really matters and it does really feel like it is the same stress, I think. I've never murdered a person. I'll get, no, I won't get back sure. to you. I won't get back to you <laughs> with how that feels. But I do think that it matters that those are treated as the same level of importance within the plot. Mm-hmm. I want to, we joked before we started the show that this is going to be book club for Monica and I, but I, you mentioned in our thread earlier, I want to talk about it briefly. Uh, a book that I, you know, Prior to our conversation today, I wouldn't have put in the category, which is the the Secret Place by Tanner French, which I came to as you know, it's it's a mystery detective story, and the protagonists are adult detectives who are investigating a murder at a boarding school, and and it's it's all about the the cliques of the the young women who live there, and you know, they're all unreliable narrators, and and say just because of my preconceptions of what the term you know, dark academia meant i just i read that as a detective mystery novel and that happened to be the setting it's the fifth in a series of mystery novels like the dublin murder squad or something like that and you know i just read it purely as that but then today i'm digging through you know things defining dark academia and that's one of the books that's listed so i wouldn't have thought of it that way prior to today Mm-hmm. I think, Mav, you did hit on something really important, which was that there does need to be a fish out of water as the access point. And I think the reason that Secret Place gets overlooked is because the fish out of water who gets thrown into the environment is a, a detective who never yeah. would have attended this school. Like, it is an adult, right? And we do usually think about that fish out of water having to be somebody mm-hmm. who's like Harry Potter in that, like, he grew up without magic and all of a sudden now is in the magic school or, you know, it is about in the case of Babel, the scholarship kid who otherwise never would have been able to attend Oxford and that you are sort of viewing it from this it, what I think is meant to be the audience identifier of all of us who couldn't go to boarding school and the ways that yeah. this does become a story that is about class and privilege, not just for the students who have to encounter privilege for the first time, but also the students mm-hmm. who are thrust into having a privilege that they never had before and the ways mm-hmm. that sometimes well, that remains. the privilege that they never realized. Like, it, I, I yes. think you can have. I think you can have a dark academic novel where everyone's rich and everyone's privileged and you just never had to really think about it. But it is it is substantively part of the story, even if you don't recognize it directly. So I think I I don't want to be too exclusionary, but I do think I think we're on the same page. Yes. But I do think that you need someone to exist as your audience stand in. Yes. The person who is encountering the institution as an outsider. That's where the tension comes from, right? So, so not a, not a boarding school one, but I'm thinking something like a mean girls, even there it's a, it's a public school, but what makes mean girls work is Katie has no reason why she can't just exist at the school. What makes her, what makes her interesting is she is encountering public school for the first time. She's in, she doesn't know the rules because she's never had to, you know, she was homeschooled in, you know, in Africa with her professor parents. So she doesn't know how the world works. So I think it, I think that allows us to investigate the, even though it's a public school, they've still got, it's an upper, they've still got the level of privilege to investigate that, you know, she's by all accounts also kind of rich, but at least she's still an outsider. You are bringing me, though, maybe I don't want to go so far as to say that it does need to be a Borders, because something like Heathers, which seems like it's going to fit within our dark academia construct, because that is the insider-outsider narrative at home. with mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. They're at home, but like there they're, it's a private school, and it really feels like it fits. It does feel like it fits. I was going to bring that one up next. Yeah. Because it does have this element of social murder, right? There is this conspiring <sighs> to like like take down there is regicide in a way because you are trying to get rid of the queen bee in a way that does force 
also Katie can to confront her element of privilege as being someone who is like heteronormative and pretty in the ways that it allows her to exist in that mm-hmm. space that Damien and Janice can't, right? Okay. So here's a question then. Because this is exactly because you're hovering on what I was wondering. Because Mean Girls is my edge case, not just because of the lack of murder and not because they're not at boarding school, but it just doesn't feel dark enough. Like even it, it's almost there. And you know, I mean, I don't want to be so cynical as to say, you know, if they killed Regina, maybe, but it, it's not just that. And then I was like, I was curious. So I just, I pulled up the Wikipedia page for Dark Academia and it's not mentioned. But what is interesting about the, about it, the Wikipedia page is they mention some things that I don't consider academic at all. They mentioned Queen's Gambit as a dark academic series. And I'm like, eh, no, I mean, she, I get why, but it doesn't feel right to me to include that. In the same world as no, Harry Potter you, or the magician. Just because you get to use a sepia-toned camera does not like, right. <laughs> like so, you be dark academia. She's in school for part of it, but not enough, right? Yeah. So, so what they also have. What, go ahead. No, I was gonna say Wednesday as a TV series. Adam's Wednesday, I absolutely count. Academia, but Wednesday does. To me, yeah. yeah, well, yeah so when, Adam, when, no, Adam's family. No, Wednesday, yes. Oh, Wednesday, yes, yes, absolutely. We, yes, yes, Wednesday, the, the Netflix series. Frankly, she's solving like a murder. And they yeah, the whole school. story is a murder mystery. And I think, and she's the fish out of water at the school where she, you know, she doesn't fit in because of her weirdness. The story of Wednesday, aside from the murder mystery, is what happens, what are you when you don't even fit in at the school for weirdos? When you're yeah. too weird to even be at the weirdo school, what are you even and how can your life work? And I think that's what makes that story so compelling, because I think yeah. what makes all of these stories compelling is, you know, fish out of water stories are compelling because as a reader, you always feel like you lack a pr- privilege. And I mean, small P privilege here. You everyone feels like they don't belong sometimes, even the, you know, the prettiest girl, the head of the football team. Everybody feels like they don't belong sometime in school. So. These books give us a way of saying, yeah, Harry Potter is just like me. Hermione Granger is just like me. Right. Wednesday is just like me, because even in the world of freaks, I can't get any friends. And that's makes her compelling in a way, Mm -hmm. in a different way than what the Adams family is. The Adams family, I I enjoy, but it's but it's not that story. So so I felt like that. So I was like, okay, this is why I think the school aspect of it matters. And I see why Queen's Gambit hovers around that. But it's still, you know, it's it's not quite academic enough for me to count. But then as I read the Wikipedia article, they also they, they had a at the end see also light academia and i was like huh and so i went and looked light academia and now now light academia requires us to so the dark academia argument on wikipedia at least is saying it's about the aesthetic not just about the fact that it's fiction so they are talking about things like you know a, a subculture and the way they dress um as monica said at the beginning of the episode you know matrix but at school right God, yeah. at school and I and so like academia is going for the they're going for a much more, you know, vibrant aesthetic. They say pleated skirts, dress shirts, sweater vests, cardigans, turtlenecks and and ribbons. And that's the clothing. But then they also mention some stories which they put in light academia. And that includes Call Me By Your Name. And it includes Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, huh, OK, now I'm I'm seeing something here. They include sex education. And I'm like. Not what I would have gone, but I but I see the point mm-hmm. you're making. They also include some things that I think are just weird. They say much like I think I thought Queen's Gambit was too weird. They put Bridgerton there, and I'm like, nah, nah. But like, where do, do I see- get to put Gossip Girl on this scale? That's exactly. Now, that, I realized so, that <laughs> you see where I'm going. That's exactly where <laughs> no. I'm at. Like, like okay, if I'm I, saying I, this, I see how Gilmore have- Girls is on one side, and I see how. Harry Potter's on the other side. Where is Gossip Girl? Where is nine hundred two one zero? Where is yeah? And then I, I freaks and geeks. Welcome back, Potter is. And see, and maybe, but see, now it's weird because are we just trying to put? Are we just trying to put all academic setting fiction on wow. the scale? Do they have to be in one or the other? Because I don't know. I, I I don't know that they are. Whereas Call Me by Your Name just feels like an academic story. It feels. It doesn't feel dark mm. or light. I absolutely think Gilmore Girls is this, right? Gilmore Girls feels like light academia. It is. Everything is joyous. Even it is, you know, uh, if Hannah were here, she'd use the word cozy. It is cozy mm-hmm. academia. 
And I don't know. I don't know that everything has to fit on this range, but I do think it gives us an interesting sort of, you know, defined by its absence, right? Like a defined by what it is not. And I feel like I can distinctly put Wednesday in a box and I feel like I can distinctly put Gilmore Girls in a box in a way that I don't. And I'm having trouble saying why I don't think I can count Stranger Things as dark academia. School matters. The world of school matters for them. We see them in class, but and there's a fish out of water. Eleven is nothing if not a fish out of water. But it's it just does not fit for me. Well, I think because they're just they're teenagers, therefore they're in school. But school is not the defining aspect of what's going on in that story or their world. It is with Heather's. Heather's, I think, school matters in a much more. And I would say something like Heartstopper to me feels like it's going to fit the light academia category, right? Because that is also one of the ones they mentioned. Yes, Uh, I just because it's incredibly cozy, and I would say Mm -hmm. that they meet all of their friends and spend the majority of their time at school or talking about school when it comes Mm -hmm. to subject matter, right? Outside of the relationship. So they also mentioned sex education, though, and I don't think so. I don't. No, I don't think sex sex education is dark academia either. I think it's just an academic setting. I think it's just. uh, I think it is just in the middle of this range, and I don't think everything needs to fill in. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a binary world the way that. Oh uh, yeah. And I just, and I don't know if there's anything either of you seeing as the movie goes backwards. There's a movie called Taps that is in a military school. And uh, yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, I, I'm just, nobody else has seen it. We can't really talk about it. So maybe you want to edit yeah. this out, but it just, my brain is just going to, to different examples of this. And yeah, but say it very definitely a military school. And uh, what's it called again? That, that Taps. Oh, Taps. Oh, oh, yes. I have. Okay. From the eighties, yeah, like eighty one. Yeah, oh, yeah, old. Yes, okay. I, yeah, I know taps. I, yeah. I mean, I probably haven't seen it since nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. No, just my my brain is kind of going over the different things mm-hmm. I've seen that might fit the category. Well, but does uh, feel but that, like that, yeah? Because does the does do military school stories work? Uh, I I think it's a military movie because you you have a lot of the same tropes show up in just an army movie where they're in battle as yeah. opposed to in school. But yeah, that de- very definitely not a dark academia kind of thing. But I the, don't the remember it well enough to it feels they, very boarding yeah. school heavy. But but again, I have I, I certainly yeah. haven't. I just looked up the movies from 81. I probably watched it last in 85, 87, somewhere in there. So it's been, you know, 40 years. Yeah, I, I can't remember it well enough, but it feels like the schoolness of it mattered Mm-hmm. As much as the militariness of it, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they because they essentially went on strike and took over the school. And, mm-hmm. You know, held, held the school grounds hostage. Tom Cruise from, is in it, by the way, for people. Yeah, who the adults and yeah, very early Tom Cruise movie. John Penn. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's a. Now I'm more lost again, though. Is the problem one of the other questions I that in in thinking about all this stuff is you know why does all this the school setting and all that appeal to such? I mean, this is a genre. You there there are books and Mm -hmm. movies and whatever. What is it about this that appeals? Is it just that you know the dark academia thing? Is it just that school was that much of a nightmare for everybody? That's how we frame it. That we're all just traumatized by school. I mean, it could be that it's functioning very similar to the horror movie, right? Where we take social anxiety and then we sort of blow it up to 100 and and we try and explore what those paranoias are and and where they're coming from. And Mm -hmm. that dark academia might be functioning in a very similar way of because we talk about the coming of age as being terrifying and Mm -hmm. the idea of if you haven't experienced anything outside of school is always going to feel like the biggest, most important thing with the mm-hmm. highest stakes and and so there is something about taking that mm-hmm. yeah. thing that isn't life or death and making it life or death but and i think I, there has though. to be something else more there yeah i think you're like, exactly right with that with what you've said so far but yeah there is I, you know, well, one of the things it's so i was gonna say it's just that these films these movies these books they are so pressing to those of us who have been in school. I haven't been a high school mm. student in a really long time, but, and I mean, yes, I often a lot of, you know, coming of age stuff, but I don't think it's just that right. Wednesday was one of the most popular shows on television mm. in years because it appealed not just to people who were 15 at the time, 
but people in their 40s, 50s, 60s were watching mm-hmm. Wednesday going, this is brilliant, right? Netflix is super excited about it because they're like, hey, we've got a thing here. Well, and I think that think it can't just be, oh, I'm going through this. It has to be, yeah. you know, people sort yeah, of fondly one, remembering that as the dark time. Well, just psychologically, you know, one of the most common anxiety dreams for people of all ages in yeah. our Western society is the, oh, my God, I'm still in high school and I have I can't find my classroom. And I don't have my homework. That's a, a really incredibly common anxiety dream of still being in school and, and not being prepared in some way uh, for people who aren't, you know, in a doctoral program or master's program or whatever. So I, I think you know, it just somewhere along the line, school has instilled an anxiety in all of us that we deal with for the rest of our lives. Uh, but, um, it can also be that we spend because we spend 18 years. You know, before most of us have the choice not go to school anymore, right? Like most people are not unschooled. Most people end up going to school and getting a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And so I think about when you, it takes up so much of your life. And I also think about how cozy and comforting the idea of a redo or a reset might be for people. The idea that you could have done something different or better, that we might be returning to school also as this method of trying to soothe that anxiety in some mm-hmm. way that there is something about we spent our entire childhood doing this thing and now mm-hmm. as adults we are trying to raise and heal our inner child by allowing it to redo that thing and because none of us can then go pull a, a never been kissed and re-enroll in high school right this is the best we've got right <laughs> right right I mean, one of the things that that appeals to me in all of these for some reason and i'm old enough to know that it, it doesn't work this way but just with all of them there's that sense of here is this group of friends who just become the most important people in the world to you they are your ride or die and it's the first time people find that you know, first time outside of your family just yeah, as you're verging on adulthood that you meet these people who are sharing an experience with you and they just become the closest best friends you will ever have and you in in the harry potter series again in the the sequel the the play whatever it was or you know at the end of the series i, I forget you know, it's what, but, um, 30 the, years later the, the something child the, uh, what is it called the cursed child yeah, you know, they're the characters are all, you know, they're it's 20 years later, they're all still friends, their kids all know each other, they're still the best friends ever. And that does not real life happen very much in the real life does, for some um, people. Yeah, but it's I mean, that is a weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, because I know for myself, I'm just different places in my life. I think back to high school and while I have contact with a handful of people from that era in my life. Sure. And and I can think about you know, the core group of people who right then that just were the most important people to me in the world. Some of them mm-hmm. I haven't seen or heard from since then. And I had, once again, a handful of those people from my college era. I have a few more from that period. I have some from my grad school era. But in each one of these eras, it was a different group of people. Yeah, I've held yeah. on to a few of them. But I can count on one, maybe two hands, the ones who are still in my life in any practical sure regular way in my life now and 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 there are there are fondnesses i have you know there there's love i still carry for a lot of those people but it's not like we're all still just hanging out and if you do hang out with them for one day you'd be fine for that one day just falling back in old rhythms probably but there i have some ride or die people from my high school sure just were the closest people to me in the world that through facebook and other things if i met you now i wouldn't be able to stand you (laughs) you you have become something politically philosophically so different from who i am that if we met now we would never be friends right right but i still maintain this fondness and love for the person you were 40 years ago for the conception one yes so that was that was one that uh, there's a it's not an academic show not really but there is a revival of Frasier playing right now. Paramount, I believe. And I've not watched it, but because I don't have Paramount as a network. I mean, there, there are too many damn streaming services. God, I miss people. And I was anti getting, I was anti cutting the cord. Wayne will probably remember this. Everybody was like, hey, cut the cord, get rid of the cable. It'd be so great. And I was like, no. I want this. I need I need bundling. You guys don't know what you're asking for. I was against getting rid of cable a decade ago. I just need to point that out. But anyway, that said, I don't have Paramount Plus. But one of the big criticisms I've seen online is the new series of Frasier takes place in Boston. The original Frasier took place in Seattle. So I've not watched the new Frasier, but I've seen a lot of the online discourse about it. 
And among other things, one of the comments I've seen from people is people are very disappointed that he never goes back to Cheers. Now, there are practical reasons for this. You know, the practical reasons are you, know, you have to get all the actors together. It's not it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But people were very concerned that he's in Boston. Why isn't he hanging out at this bar? And it make, made sense why he wasn't during Frasier because he was on the other side of the country. But on this show, he should be back there. And my response to that was that was 42 years ago. Cheers got canceled in 1993. So he hasn't been to this place in 30 years. He hung out there 40 years ago. Why, you know, that feels like, why are you looking for somebody to, you know, go back to a town and start hanging out at the bar they hung out at three decades ago because their ex-girlfriend used to work there? Yeah, like, and chances yeah, are the like, bar doesn't exist anymore or it has a different name or owner. Right, you should be at Chipotle, right? <laughs> right. At, least, at risk of sounding too young, I'm like, if he was still going to that bar, I'd feel like it's kind of sad, right? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so well, okay, at least he would like, go and please, if it was if it was the same bar, he'd be going, and he wouldn't know anybody. It wouldn't right, be you'd go the in, same. You'd go in, Nobody and you'd know his okay. name. Right. Nobody well, would know maybe, his name. Oh right. Maybe the same guy. I mean, if Sam still owns the bar, if Sam's if the if Sam still owns the bar, you go there, and Sam and I could see that. You know, it's been thirty years. Sam, the same guy owns the bar, and you walk in, and Sam goes, "Holy shit, Fraser Crane!" And you know, I haven't seen you in thirty years. I could see that being a story, but no one else should be there. Like that right. would be like like right. the guy who owns it. Maybe he just never sold, right? But I, but yeah. everybody else should be like, wow, who you know? Why are you still hanging out there? You're all retired now. Like they weren't twenty then. You know, yeah. he's a seventy year old man. He should not. He shouldn't know the people at this bar that he hung out at when he was forty. That's weird. So. The story is him going back to it as a nostalgic thing and walking in and it being all different people and completely remodeled. And he doesn't know anybody and he recognizes that part of his life is over and he walks back out. You know, that's, 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 like, yeah. Or you say, hey, I used to hang out here when, you know, when I was younger and you, nostal you get one episode out of that where you're right. like, oh, yeah. wow, I had a lot of great memories here and now it's all gone. Maybe can I just, you know, can I go in the bathroom and see if my name's still scribbled behind yeah. the stall? You, you get something like that. But beyond that, like those relationships change is the point I'm making. Like yeah. I can. I So, OK, I went to the same school for my undergrad and for my master's. I, I got my master's. I went there in 2013 and I finished my undergrad degree in 98, but I started in 92. So there was 20 years between. It was a different place. Yeah. I mean, university as itself is a, is a hundred, right, it's 100 years old, but, but like there, there were similarities of the campus. And there were some professors who were still around and remembered me, you know, 20 years later, but not the same place. That's sort of the point, right? Like time marches on. And I think that schools sort of have a magic in that there's a timelessness of it. And that makes it feel yeah. like, you know, Hogwarts is this ancient institution, right? I think boarding schools feel like that, right? And yeah. so I think maybe that's part of the appeal of the academic setting. And then it lends importance to those relationships, even if they actually are ephemeral because you're only with this group of people for four years. Or I, I wonder there's a timelessness, but also on the other hand of that, when it comes to something like murder, that is such a traumatic event. There's also a singular freezing of time, right? When mm -hmm. we think about how we measure time, a lot of times it is demarked by revolution or periods of crisis. It's these like big upheaval moments, right? And so something about murder is then going to take what is my blur of a four years of drug, sex, alcohol, sorry, mom and dad, and it's going to turn it into <laughs> a much more formative, singular moment well, that is that has concretized who I am as an adult, right? And mm -hmm. I think about a really good example for my generation is we can all cite where we were and what was happening when 9-11 occurred, 
right? Sure. Like Absolutely. that for us, a really formative understanding of the greater world at large in which children understand a catastrophe. And, and so I, I just think about there is something that we aren't necessarily experiencing in terms of that like freezing of time personally, but this freezing of time that occurs when we go read these dark academia novels, it does allow us to essentially hold on to memories that we feel are sort of actively slipping away as we get older, as our blur of experience is no longer able to exist as these singularities that I think is also it is this need to want to remember that allows us to want to experience dark academia but to also want to experience the idea that you could live in a moment even if that moment is horrifying right <laughs> in a in a very broad symbolic sense the the whole death thing is you know it's you know the end of high school, the end of college, it's the death of our childhood. Mm -hmm. That's when we make that transition from childhood into adulthood. And I I think I say very broad symbolism, but yeah, that idea of there being a death, I think that plays a part in there someplace that something has died when we move on into our adult life. Because children don't have to comprehend the the reality of death or murder that a lot of times does become (laughs) that marker between childhood and adulthood. Mm -hmm. Okay, so does it work? I talked about the academic novel. The classic academic novel is very much often about the adult, about the professor, right? So Wonder Boys isn't about the students at the school. The students are in it, but Grady is the main character. Now, there's yeah. no murder in Wonder Boys, but but can you have a dark academic novel if you're focusing on, you know, the intrigue surrounding a professor or, you know, or I mean, even... Monica, you're in grad school now. I haven't been out that long. Grad school feels different than, I mean, not that I don't have friends. So this show partly exists because Katya and I became good friends in grad school, right? That is, that's where Mm -hmm. that relationship was formed. But also I didn't go to grad school with, with Monica or Hannah. I met them both through this show and Wayne didn't go to school with me. I met you at a comic book store. So I, I, those I, relationships. I, I, I didn't go to school with you, but I was a part of the community, world your school was in. That community. Yeah, yeah. I guess. But my point yeah. being, like, those are yeah. those relationships feel separate from yeah. the academic novel in a way to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. I, that, I, I don't know. I don't know why. No, I, I was thinking about I mean, what you were saying there, Mav, as when I was talking about meeting those group of friends who are so important to you and, and that sort of thing, I look at the different points in my life and there's my undergraduate experience where I was a commuter. I didn't live on campus, so I didn't have that cloistered experience. And when I think about the friends I met during those four years who became my ride or die people, several of whom are still incredibly important people in my life, none of them are the people I met in college. They are people I met outside to other things. I was in college at the time, but I met them. And you've met some of them. You know, Fred is one of those people. Whereas when I went to graduate school, it was I was having I was living in an apartment with other students. They were all undergrads. So while I was in while I was in graduate school and having classes with a group of graduate students, my day to day existence up there was being part of the undergraduate community. Mm-hmm. So you know, just very my my experiences with the groups of friends who became important to me didn't really fit the parameters of where I was at the time. Yeah. One piece of media that I think is going to fit Mav Dark Academia can also be about the professor genre is going to be Dead Poet Society. And it is because somebody dies. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is also because there is a level of mystique or mystery to the professor itself that, that becomes like the person who is being uncovered. I do think there is an element of maybe nobody needs to die, but there does need to be a mystery story element to it. Something like Mona Lisa Smiles might fit really well in that same sort of the mystique mm. of the professor being the thing that is being uncovered and that relationship that grows between the professor and student, similar to the relationship between student to student grows. But I do think that, I don't know, Mona Lisa Smiles still isn't quite doing it for me. It might fit somewhere closer to the light academia cozy end of the spectrum because it ends up being yeah. about like, yay, feminism. But I do think that Dead Poet Society, as people die, is firmly going to fit within our dark academia. Even though it's about 
it's well see dead poet society is weird because it's i'd say the i'd say the lead is the professor but i'd say that the main characters are professor a professor and several students yes so like it it still feels very much about the students i'm trying to think of an example of something I'm, i'm having trouble coming up with one where i feel like it's about the professors and as you know, I can think yeah. of several things. I, I can think of several shows and movies and books that are about teachers, but none that so it has to be about the students. Well, I, I don't think it does, except for I can't come up with a good example of one where I'm like, um, <laughs> right. this is dark academia, even though it's about this, even though it's about professors. I feel like there must be some. But I don't feel I don't feel like Wonder Boys counts. I don't feel like Stoner counts. I don't feel I might I, give you know, it to New Gossip Girl, to be honest. Not I've, and I've not Girl. seen New Gossip Girl. <laughs> New Gossip Girl. I've not seen New Gossip Girl. So splits the narrative as being between the students and being between the teachers. And it's mm-hmm. not a spoiler. It happens in the first episode. The people who revive Gossip Girl are the teachers who then start mm-hmm. using it as basically an accountability method to get the students to behave better because they think mm-hmm. that the students are too rich and privileged and they think if they feel like someone is watching them, they'll behave better. But then there is still something then, about... The still drive it, yeah. The students it, are still there though, right? The students are still there. Well, I, because I don't think that you can have an academic story without the students. That's just such a big part of who else are you teaching then, right? <laughs> Na- nameless people that I don't care about. So, okay, so trying to think of an example like, all right the film bad teacher i don't know if you've ever seen it. it's not dark but it's cameron diaz and bad teacher is uh, the student she's in it i think justin timberlake i think is in it jason siegel's in it there are students in there couldn't tell you any of their names they do not matter the story is very much about the teachers it is an it is a story a, it is a workplace comedy about people who happen to be teachers, just, like, you know, just in, in much the same way as the patients don't matter on Grey's Anatomy or ER. I mean, every once in a while, sure, but it's about the relationships between the doctors. This is about the relationships between the teachers. And I feel like there are academic stories that work that way. I'm having trouble coming up with a dark academic story that works that way. And, and you know, I, I feel like there must be some novel or movie that's about a student dies and it's the teacher's job to discover why. Not yeah, I, one of us nothing comes to mind. Book. Right. Nothing comes to no, mind. One, one, one of like, us needs to write this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I and there must be something, you know, let us know in the comments if you've got one, because I'm thinking. Jesus. There are movies. There are movies that are about the teacher interacting with the students where yeah, I feel like the teacher is definitively the protagonist. And I'm thinking something like a dead poet society, I, I, I'd say is on that line, but we, stand and deliver or something yeah, we, where the teachers are, or dangerous minds, there are kids there, but whatever. Yeah. Right. That's about well, the teacher. Well, we did an entire episode on the chair. I, yeah, I wouldn't call that. Yeah. The chair, but that yeah. The chair is excellent. Like, there. Yes, I mean, that's a series about students are irrelevant the, there. Right, yeah. right. There's one girl. The student body is represented by one student and one subplot. She, yeah. Like there, there is the, a grad student, there is a undergrad, and everyone else in that school who has a name is a professor. Yeah, but it's not dark academia. No, it's not dark. I mean, there there are dark things that happen, but it's not dark yeah. academia. Right. It is an academic comedy about the relationships between professors. But like I, but it's not like it's not like it's murder. It's not like it's mystery. I mean, it, it's about you know, it's about on some level whether or not teachers can have you know academic freedom. There's a lot of important issues that happen mm-hmm. in that show, but it's yeah. not dark in the same way. Yeah. So, so I don't know. But like, if anybody listening knows of one, please let us know. Right. Please let us know in the comments because because I, I can't think of one. I wanted to offer you know before we wrap up. I, there's a alternate thing because like we've been talking about how much. The, you know, the studentness of it matters and the university of it matters. And I wanted to offer just as an alternative for Monica to think about Saltburn count. No, because too much of it is not at the school. I think the school as setting is really important. Because yeah. it because tell you school... that Saltburn counts because I adored Saltburn. It yeah. is not our dark academia it's a vampire story because the thing that matters is the manor home not the boarding okay. school okay because they meet at the school and their relationship is based in the school but it all happens over are they on summer vacation i think or i can't it's remember summer vacation. Or or summer vacation and, yeah and i don't think that summer vacation counts 
I think uh, in very much the same way that you make the argument that the last book of Harry Potter gets to count because we've established the relationship at the school. Had Saltburn been two films and one was school and one was summer vacation? Okay, I would, I I would let you have it. But I do think that the school as primary setting is the thing that matters because they graduate from the college. They will not be going back in Saltburn, right? I think that the is it graduate? I, I, thought the, it was between, I thought it was between sophomore and junior year. No, they, they graduate because they have exams. Oh, they have exams. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I think the thing that, that matters is also because, yeah, we are talking about this sense of belonging and community that you need to mm-hmm. have via your attendance at the school. So the thing that in Saltburn that he's worried about losing is not his attendance, it's his friendship. And I think that in the case of Dark Academia, your friendship is based on your attendance. Because as Wayne said, if, if you're not attending the school, you might, you're losing contact with these people. Right. And they lose, I mean, that that's not good. You're right. Regardless of how much, how important the school is, they leave 15 minutes into it. They're into the film proper, right? They're, you know, most of their relationship building is outside. You're right. Magicians is a really good example because it's about the entrance and the ability to attend the school for at least mm-hmm. the first two, three novels, right? The, mm-hmm. This is the fact that Quentin has been allowed to attend and Julia hasn't and, and what that right. means for their two life trajectories. And so even mm-hmm. though the book about Julia is her not at the school because she keeps trying to get into the school, it is still a dark academia novel because gotcha. the ultimate okay. goal is the attendance at the institution. So we're not <laughs> Yeah, we've resolved nothing. I think I buy that, though. I I see the distinction you're making. And I would also offer that as magicians, the show goes on. It becomes less and less about the school proper, but still feels like a dark academic show. I think because the relationships were so much established, you, mm-hmm. you have to give me at least one whole book or one full season. And I, mm-hmm. I do actually, I'm, I made the argument at the beginning of the show that Hunger Games, like one, two, three does not count. Hunger Games prequel, Ballad of Songs and Snakes counts because the thing that he cares about, that Snow cares about is being able to get a school scholarship to be able to continue to attend the school. That is the motivation for the entire plot of the film and the thing that he is competing against is all of his other students so even though there is a hunger games present in it the stakes are continuing to go to school and the Mm -hmm. also sort of the links that people will go to be able to continue to buy into an institution that i think is also a particularly interesting critique is that we aren't just dismantling power of the institution and the things it's teaching us itself but also the amount that society works to uphold the lie of the institution, right? I think that's a particularly right. interesting element as well. Is it returns us to that returns us to your thing about privilege, right? Because whether because what you're looking at in these stories is someone is willing to murder to keep that world, that facade of what the academic institution is alive, right? They're not murdering just for themselves. They're not murdering for love. They're not murdering for individual power. They're murdering for the aesthetic and conceptual power dynamic that is academia that is the world of school right and maybe that's why it's harder to do it for professors because we don't do that (laughs) i mean for i think on some level when you're a professor i mean i love the school i work at i love my job but it's still a job it's not right, like my friends are you guys. Over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like my friends are you guys, right? My friends are the world outside. Even the friends that are other professors, they're work friends in a, in the same way mm-hmm. as any other workplace comedy or workplace drama. They're not friends in the positioning of us in this point in our life, which is dangerous and important the way that Wayne was describing at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. I think that's a really important distinction for the students. Mm-hmm. It's this is the entirety of your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and maybe that's a difference. For, for, I mean, magicians, the show is about grad school, but only because they, you know, they wanted to get away from some uncomfortable conversations. Ultimately, I think, you know, undergrad and high school have a different sort of feeling than grad school. And so it's a lot harder to consider that to be your entire world, even in grad school. Mm-hmm. So. So maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe you know, did we solve it? I don't know that we solved it. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So, anyway, 
I am curious as to what other people think. So you should certainly give us your thoughts if you if you have them in the comments. You know, what are we missing any grown up versions of this story? And yeah, give us some book recommendations. That's yeah, that's really why (laughs) book or movie or whatever. And do you have anything that complicates this concept that, you know, that we've been talking about? And do we want to consider the light side? I mean, you know, I love I love and adore Gilmore Girls, but I don't know if it's a show. I just the fact that oh my god i love gilmore <laughs> i don't know but yeah let us know your thoughts in the comments let us know your book recommendations and let us know what we should talk about next week in the meantime monica where can people find you i think maybe twitter is back i, I don't yeah. know it feels lively <laughs> i feel like i'm starting to see tweets that aren't news articles again so maybe if you want to try and find there that would be at monica marvelous that's l-o-u-x I didn't do it on purpose. I'm not changing it. I'm sorry. Or I'm still trying to make letterbox happen. And that's Monica Marvelous. Oh, yeah. I I don't know that Twitter's happening. I never left Twitter when everybody else did. I think I joined all the other stuff. And I think what's happening is as much as like when Twitter first fell apart. And maybe this is an episode in the future. Let us know if this should be an episode. When Twitter first fell apart, there was this there was the mass exodus. And I had. A lot of people who were telling me, oh, well, no one uses Twitter anymore. Everyone's now on. And then they would just insert their own favorite social media platform. So I heard a lot of Blue Sky. I heard a lot of threads. I heard a lot of Mastodon. But there was never really a consensus because nothing really caught on. It's just everything just felt like it only existed to be a place that wasn't Twitter. And that's not enough. And I maybe there's an episode in how does social media as a concept work. And that might be a very heavy cultural theory, you know, episode that maybe we should do one day. Cause that would be, you know, I guess that would be heavily me. That is the kind of stuff that I talk about in my day job from day to day. But in the meantime, Wayne, where can people find you? Not on any of those. Yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you have accounts. Yeah, yeah. Technically I'm still on Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. have you posted on Twitter since the Carter administration? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that you had. I was really active during that period. But, uh, yes. <laughs> well, but then I got involved in a murder at college and, you know, I just kind of got distracted. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let us know if you want to hear that story in the comments. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Threads. I'm all the places. I'm always at Chris Maverick. I'm, I think I'm Chris Maverick on on Mas- on Letterbox. I think I don't know. I don't know, but I'm always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show mostly on Twitter, Facebook, and Blue Sky. We are at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we try to post blogs talking about what we're going to be talking about next week. But we've had we've been busy lately, and there's been a lot of stuff going on and a lot of moving pieces. But you know, things like that are happening. But you can leave us comments on this or any other episode. You can let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. Should we do a show on social media? Should we do a show on light academia? What should we talk about? Let us know in the comments. If you enjoyed the show, and we certainly hope you do. And then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or wherever the hell you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, putting it ever so more epically and playing us out. And once again, I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.